Uh, this morning, we're going to uh, look into some of the secrets of Jesus. And, and they're not really secrets. It's amazing to me as I read in the scripture how he reveals things to me when I need them or when he's ready for me to go to the next level. And uh, that's, that's why you have to be in the scripture on a regular, regular basis. And I'd like to speak about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that's stumbling, because we are stumblers. And worse than that, we cause others to stumble. The, uh, one, of our, one of our primary focuses should not, not only be God, but to be a blessing, when we, run, when we come upon somebody, instead of being frustrated, we should pray through it and become a blessing to them. So if you come with me to uh, Mark, open up Mark 9, and we'll be reading verses 42 to 50. I, I brought up the uh, message, which is simply a paraphrase. I've read the paraphrase a number of times, and it's always enlightening to me because it seems to be from a perspective. It's not a, I don't know. He uses a different perspective. And with that perspective, I go, oh, <laughs> that's what the Lord is trying to tell me, or something to that effect. On the other hand, if you give one of these simple, childlike believers a hard time bullying or taking advantage of their simple trust, you'll soon wish you hadn't. You'd be better off dropped in the middle of the lake with a millstone around your neck. If your hand or your foot gets in God's way, chop it off and throw it away. You're better off maimed or lame and alive than the proud owner of two hands and two feet in a furnace of eternal fire. And if your eye distracts you from God, pull it out, throw it away. You're better off one-eyed and alive than exercising your 20-20 vision in hell. Everyone's going through a refining fire sooner or later. But you will be well-preserved by salt, protected from the eternal flames. Be preservatives like salt and preserve the peace with each other. First feeling is oftentimes we expect new believers to act like mature Christians. In fact, I've heard believers talk like they expect non-believers to act like mature Christians. In fact, if you think that a new believer or a non-believer should act like a mature Christian, you're probably not a mature believer because <laughs> you're putting expectations out there that are going to be not met. Hebrews 5.3 tells us anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. So a new believer, they're not even acquainted yet with the teachings of righteousness. And we bombard them with stuff. Non-believers don't even have a clue about the teachings of righteousness. All they know about is the law, which has been fulfilled, and they try to make themselves sound good by that. Well, I don't do this, and I don't do that, so I must be good. 
Only God is good. <laughs> right? 1 Corinthians 3 tells us, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it yet. Indeed, you are not ready still. You are still worldly, for since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? So often we, uh, we do this. We, we, we raise ourselves above others. Kids, you have kids? In fact, most of you, to the best of my knowledge, all of you were once kids. And you have mom and dads. And you wanted or, or assumed that the other child, sister, brother, unless you're single, child, you assumed that mom and dad loved them more. And, you know, mom and dad loves them more and they love me because they punish me. This way. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, mom and dad love them the same. And I think that that's what we do sometimes. We put people of the world down. We put other Christians down. Did you see what they did? It was disgusting. <laughs> we take our fingers and we point them at them. How dare you? When, you know the old adage, you have nine fingers pointing back at you, right? Instead of rebuking others, you should be examining your own hearts and led by an example of love. And an example of love, you know, some people have said, well, they're living in sin. Oh, really? <laughs> We're all still in this body. We're all kind of goofing things up daily. But we don't have to condone what they're doing. We just have to love them, right? The for instance, children. How many times do you have to discipline your children? Don't do that. Don't do that. Because we're raising them. We're trying to make them productive parts of society. Never, ever once did I not love my children. Never, ever. I might have been disappointed. I might have been heartbroken. But I never didn't love them. And it's like that with people. Never, ever are we not supposed to love them. I, had a, I remember I was, uh, my, when my son was about five years old. He said, Dad, I want to play baseball. So I got him a little mitt, and I got him a little baseball, and got him a little tee so he could practice hitting and catching. And, you know, obviously he didn't do too well the very first day. In fact, I lobbed him. Lobbed him, right? Lobbed him some throws. And, and guess how he caught? Like this. Catch like this. Well, after maybe a couple weeks... He was starting to catch the ball 50% of the time. So then I started giving him soft throws. And I'd give him soft throws. But he still wanted to catch like this. And I said, Zach, you got to get to the next level of catching. You got to catch like this. You got to get that glove up. Well, he just wouldn't do it. So I threw one right about here. And he got his mitt out there. And it hit the butt of his mitt and bounced up on his chin. And it hurt. 
After that, he went like this. <laughs> you know, I, I, I see kind of a, a similarity in my walk with Christ like that. Because every day I, I, I screw something up. But I pick the ball up and I throw it back to him. And he says, get your mitt up. Get your mitt up. Actually saying love. Love. Love to a fault. You know, when Jesus said, I am the cornerstone and I will be a stumbling block. You know why he's the cornerstone? Because he's the cornerstone of love. He's not the cornerstone of the law. He's the cornerstone of love. And it will be a stumbling block to those who want to judge people by the law. Because it will be almost impossible for you to love. Because you want to be number one to daddy. And you're going to put other people down to lift yourself up. And that is not how it's supposed to work whatsoever. Stumbling blocks that we put in place are over expectations. Infants, new believers, they're on milk. They don't know the truths of righteousness. And we try to hammer them. You can't do that. You can't do this. I'm not talking about one-on-one -on -one conversation. I'm talking hammer, gossip. It's, it's hideous, the things we do. In fact, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command? I think you all can remember this. He says, the greatest command is to love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And to love your neighbor as yourself. I had the first one down. I can stand here and sing and praise and think about the forgiveness I've received and just think about how God is so awesome in everything he's done in my life and to love my neighbor as myself. Seriously. That's, for me, difficult. When I look around, it seems very difficult. And uh, that is something we really, really, really need to work upon. The... Uh, uh, and, and at the end he says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands they're pretty important Jesus says I came to fulfill the law law's been fulfilled you think about an insurance policy person dies they divvy up the uh, estate between the heirs and it's been fulfilled safety need so we're in, under a new command, as we're told in John chapter 13, to love one another. Jesus says, I'm giving you a new command. Love one another. Our default should be love. In fact, do you know, if you see somebody, let's say, let, oh, here's one. This happens every day to most people. Somebody was whipping in traffic, boom, they cut you off. Is there love? Or is there anger and hate? I'm guessing it's not love. But for all we know, they just got a call that their wife's being rushed to the hospital for whatever reason. And they're not even thinking about anybody outside of their car. And instead of hate and anger and road rage, we should be praying for that person in love and compassion. This example can carry through on all the, all the uh, tests that we go through. 
Uh, second fill in is we are called to deal harshly with the sin in our own lives and gently with others. Galatians 6, uh, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. How many of us think we're better than what we really are? You know, Brad talked about before, uh, he talked about gifts. I'm an engineer. I love math. I love physics. I love problem solving. And sometimes I slip into, why can't they see this? You know, this is simple quadratic equation. Duh. <laughs> My gosh. It doesn't get any easier than this. In fact, I wish, just on a side note, it's a side note, Pastor Brad. <laughs> I wish they would make quadratic equation books like they do Sudoku books. Because unfoiling quadratic equations is very comforting. <laughs> God, in the second part, is not telling us to cut off our body parts because it's our hearts. Our heart is the problem. Our heart is the one with the evil desires seeking evil pleasures. Not this hand. Now, granted, if this hand had a mind of its own and I'm walking through the store, it grabs something. I'm going to steal this. I'm going to steal this. I'm taking this. And I'm like, no, hand, you're not going to steal that. I'd probably cut it off. Because that hand would be demon-possessed. But that isn't how it works. It's our heart. It's our heart that leads us astray. In fact, in Psalms 37 and 4, uh, we're told that we should take delight in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our hearts. James 1.27 says, this is pure religion. You know, you think about all the religions out there. This, James 1.27, this is pure religion. Not all these other doctrines, blah, 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 blah. This is pure religion. Uh, that God accepts, and it is to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. How in the heck do you keep yourself from being polluted by the world? You have commercials, you have the news, you have the internet. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff trying to pollute our world. Quite honestly, I've turned most of that off because uh, I just, I, I'll, I'll get upset when I see something really stupid, and I'll think, oh, how can they do that? Well, they don't know the truths of righteousness. That's how they do that. Is it terrible? Yes. What do you do with it? In fact, we do not need to be anxious about anything. But in every situation, we should present our request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. 
And then finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely or admirable, and anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, these are the kinds of things we should be thinking about. These are the kind of things we should be focusing upon. So whatever you have learned, whatever you have received, or whatever you've heard, whether it be at church, in your life group, uh, reading the scriptures as the Holy Spirit reveals things to you, and you test them amongst your other saints, those are the kinds of things that we should be acting upon. Those things. Not frustrations of the world, of the pollution. This is going to be polluted, and it's ugly. We need to be a blessing to the world, not another, that's disgusting. We need to figure out how do we become effective with love and become a blessing to those around us. And I believe that's Jesus' call for us. Because you see, where, Jesus, where God is exacting injustice, and he is exacting. If you want to live by the law, you will be judged by the law. He is exacting. But where you're a child of God, trying to live in love and forgiveness and grace and mercy, his grace and mercy is overflowing. It is such a torrent that'll knock you to your knees because you can't believe you've been forgiven for that stupid thing that you did. Our God is an awesome God. He's amazing. You see, it is by grace, so the next fellow, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by your works. In Ephesians 2, uh, Paul tells us, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And you say, well, oh, these few things are so difficult, how do I, John 15 and 7 is very clear, if Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. He's not talking about lottery tickets. He's talking about love. He's talking about the ability to forgive. He's talking about the ability to give grace. He's talking about a desire to be in his word on a regular basis. He's talking about the desire of resurrection. The desire please our Holy Father through love compassion forgiveness, grace and mercy when you're on your knees begging God for these things you can ask him for the fruit of the Holy Spirit and he will give it to you overflowing so that you will flow into other people's lives We must, we must view everything through the lens of God. You see, those, the children that we become disgusted with, he created them. He stitched them together in their mother's womb. And they are very precious to him. 
and some of those he gave to us as our children so we can have kind of an inkling of an understanding of that. I know when my children were little, I'd go in at night, run my hands through their hair, pray for them. And our Father does the same thing with us. While we're laying there sleeping, runs his hands through our hair and goes, you cracked me up when you did this today. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow you'll lift your mitt up. You're going to get another chance. Just stay in the game, the game of love. There's only one that we can individually cry out to who will be faithful to us every single time. And that's God our Father, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit.